Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Devon, England, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from Wellington, New Zealand, is David Wood. Okay, so this week we are going to talk about Marzipan. Um, For those that don't know, Marzipan is a sort of new rumoured way for developers to write universal apps for both iOS and macOS. Um, When I heard the news, my first reaction was pretty positive. When I think about myself as an iOS developer, um, massively in favour of this, because when I think about it, I am used to working in UIKit as an iOS developer, whereas with macOS... I would have to work in AppKit, and with AppKit, I've I don't really have any experience about it. I've heard through the grapevine, it's you know it can be kind of tricky, but alienating. Um, kind of follow the path with caution, so to speak. Um, so for me, I, I would be massively in favour of this move. Um, I think it'd be hugely advantageous. Um, Dave, I don't know if you've got any sort of first thoughts on the matter. Um, yeah, so first thoughts on the matter, and I mean, bear in mind um, this. This rumor broke just before Christmas in last year now, didn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So this is a couple of weeks ago at least. Um, my first initial reaction to this was to sort of think, you know, that's that's brilliant. From an iOS developer perspective, this is something I would really love. Um, I think there's, there's some queries from some people as to whether this would produce the sort of quality of apps that they would like to see on the Mac. Um but to be honest, with the trend towards things like electron-based apps that are just glorified web apps Ugh, um, yeah. to a degree, yeah, got a whole instance of Chrome or whatever that's running behind the scenes that sort are of running the show, um, I would sooner have it's an iOS app on a Mac versus that sort of c- scenario. So, yeah, my initial reaction was very, very positive. Um, this, this could sort of mean um, more apps on the Mac, it could open some doors as an iOS developer to things that I can do. Um, it could also mean that certain apps, um, I think a good example would be the Twitter app, uh, Twitter app for, for Mac OS. Um, in this instance, if we could have a sort of unified app version, um, we could see something like that where it's, it's updated across all platforms sort of quite, um, quite at the same time. Yeah, I I don't know how, because I suppose you then run into the risk of basically the Mac app potentially just being an iOS app running in the Mac. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, so. Um, it, it really depends, I guess, on, on what the, the implementation of this is going to be. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know, with something like the Twitter app, I don't think I'd necessarily mind if it was kind of just like a, an iOS app that's just been sort of, you know, put into the Mac and it can it can run because with with the Twitter app specifically, I don't, I don't think I require that much from it. But then, yeah, sort of shift that argument to things like design software and you know, audio <laughs> editing and maybe video mixing. In your case, uh, I think the conversation starts to take quite quite a different track quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I think um, that's that's going to be a case of, like I say, the implementation itself is is going to be absolutely critical to the type of apps and the type of things we could expect to see. Um, it will be it'll be interesting to me to see if this is essentially UI kit coming 
to macOS or whether this is something completely brand new? Yeah. Um, I I was reading about UXKit um, and it seems UXKit is a private framework of Apple's that sits on top of AppKit and it strongly resembles UIKit. Um, yeah. And I think that was used quite heavily in the Photos app on the Mac. Yes. So whether, you know, what we end up seeing is kind of like an, an extended version of UXKit that then becomes what you use for iOS and macOS. Um, I, I, I don't know, but that, that would seem perhaps like a sensible place to start. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, I think I'd be very keen, though, like I say, for it to not be sort of yet another new thing from an iOS perspective. Um, I, I think... I'm heavily biased here, you know, as an iOS developer um, that doesn't know very much about developing for the Mac. Um, I am biased. I would like to sort of see UIKit be the first citizen, I think, here. Um, and I don't really mind whether that's, like I say, it's bringing it literally to Mac OS or, or whether it ends up being called something slightly different on Mac OS. Um, but I'd rather that that this wasn't something separate um that is then sort of separate and new on both platforms i think it needs yeah. to be needs to be something that is an update to ui kit on um on ios and i think on mac os it then needs to be you know potentially whether it's called ux kit or whether it is literally it's ui kit on on mac os but it needs to be bringing you know all of the good stuff back over from ios to mac os i think to sort yeah, of make think- this work UI kit will be at, be at the core of it, even if it's called UX kit. I think UI kit's going to be at the heart of what's going on here. Yes. Um, for me, I think a good place for this to end up would be but if writing a Mac app almost felt like you're writing a tvOS app or a watchOS app in that, yeah, I mean, it's a little different from coding a traditional iOS app, um, but it's familiar enough that it kind of still feels like home. At least yeah. for like an iOS developer, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> that like the hardcore Mac devs will think. But um... I think there's there's a whole list of potential negatives if you're, you know, a, a traditional uh, died in the wall Mac OS developer. Um, depending on what, again, it, again, it comes back to the implementation though. If this is a layer that you can invoke on top of or with the existing frameworks within AppKit, if it kind of links in to what's there as well um then that means that it might be possible to use this new thing and not lose some of the benefits from from that history as well yeah um, that's an interesting take on it yeah i'm I'm thinking specifically around some of the things that um that, that mac os apps have to do and do very well which is where they end up using um system ui components and um stuff on the menu bars and that side of things um there's a lot that's built in sort of in the back of app kit uh, my, my very shallow knowledge of it is that um because you have to sort of use a lot of very similar components again and again if you're thinking about things like um preferences screens that's sort of, that sort of thing um that you know there's not really any need to roll your own and there's some very nice parts in, in the frame, frameworks to be able to just do these things using um, using default APIs. So I think it would be a shame to to lose that side of things 
within this new side of, 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 of a sort of UI layer, a UI kit layer coming across. Um, yeah, if that is what it is, I think it'd be very nice to be able to sort of have a bit of the best of both worlds um, on the Mac side of things. So potentially you can sort of share a layer between the iOS and the macOS side of things, but then you can start to specify on either platform um, with sort of the more specific tweaks if that's something you want to do. Sure. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, um, when I'm thinking about it from Apple's perspective, I think this whole thing is it makes so much sense because if you look at the the talent that they have within the iOS developer community, I mean, there's a ton of really good developers that are all highly skilled in iOS and are familiar with UIKit, and then it seems to me, it, you know, I'm not speaking for everyone here, but sort of in the community, it seems a lot like. If you mention Mac app, a lot of iOS developers are like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> and it's, I've always found it kind of ironic because there's a lot of iOS developers out there. And kind of as a result of that, those iOS developers are you know, power users, if you like, of the Mac. Yes. Um, but then it seems like that there's a, a big disconnect between that and then being able to develop apps for the Mac. So I think if this can act as a bridge to transfer that skill set from the iOS dev community and sort of unleash us all on the Mac. I think that could be huge for the Mac. Yeah, no, I really agree. Um, it's for me as an iOS developer, it's not so much that I'm, you know, kind of afraid or, or even blissfully ignorant um, of, of sort of what Mac development is, is like. It's more just that I know it's different. And I know that it's it's an extra overhead. Do you know? I I know I, I've, I want to be learning things that expand my skills as an iOS developer, and so learning to develop on the Mac is something that just doesn't doesn't really necessarily tick any boxes for me. But if there was something that, like you say, is acting as a bridge, um, that just sort of makes that makes that overhead a lot less, then I think that could be really brilliant, and and that would sort of bring me personally way way over um sort of considering the mac as a a target for my own apps yeah it's, it's um i mean when i first kind of heard about this my my initial response was i started thinking about it much like we discussed with the twitter app about ios apps coming to the mac um, yep i mean if you take uh twitterific for example um a twitter client on ios their Mac version didn't get as much attention due to the you know the interest and therefore the money being on iOS and, and you can't really blame them for that at all. Um and they ran a Kickstarter campaign, I think, back end of last year. Or mid yep. mid, mid to back end of last year, um, to sort of fund the development of a Mac version. Um and I think, you know, Marzipan, if it comes to fruition, would have made made this a lot easier for for those folks. Um so that's kind of like my first take on it in you know, the direction being from iOS to macOS, um, once I kind of stewed on it for a while, it kind of dawned on me that this could be a way to push iOS forward. Uh, for example, take a, let's just say a photo editor app on the Mac, a fully loaded photo editor uh, that costs proper money, actively developed, um, actively maintained. Um, if If today, if that company were to announce they're making an iOS version... I think I would probably think to myself, 
okay, that's cool, but it's probably just going to be like a, like a stripped down version of the Mac version um, with a subset of the features that the Mac has. Yeah. Whereas now let's imagine a world where marzipan is a thing um, that could allow for more, if not most of the features that the Mac version has to come to iOS, or, you know, albeit with a different sort of UI paradigm and a different approach in that sense. Yes. Um, so really we could see a huge push into iOS with this. This could really push iOS forward in a way. I mean, rather than just thinking, you know, this is good for the Mac because the Mac's been neglected and we're getting all these Electron apps now because it's easier for developers and, you know, so on and so on. And it's, it's easy to, I think, write off the benefit to iOS. I mean, this could this could turn your iPad Pro into even more of an iPad Pro in, in years to come. Yeah, I think you're, you're totally right there. That that target for sort of um, the target platform on iOS would be the iPad, I think, for sort of bringing those apps over. Yeah, I think so. Um, and oh, I, especially with the pencil so, and everything like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly love to sort of see more of that going on as well. How is your iPad, by the way? Are you actually still using it? Yes, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been uh, yeah, awfully quiet since you, you, you bought it, and you're like, yeah, I love it. And then I was like, I haven't heard much about that iPad, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, we moved, and everything sort of got a bit like, okay, I've got this lovely new machine, but no time to really play. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, keep, I keep coming back to it. Um, I think it's fair to say that my phone's my sort of primary device really um but the the ipad stops me from using the the mac in the evenings um unless i you know need to start doing some code or anything um, you know what would solve that problem don't you xcode on the ipad a 12 inch MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect device oh. <laughs> um but just um i think kind of like my last thought on marzipan um if it you know if it were to happen of course is the expectation from mac users um regarding when you purchase an app on ios yeah uh, let's say you know you buy like a an ios app for 199 and for me it's become um quite common for me to expect the the ios app or the iphone app to go across to my ipad which is yes. you know, fairly commonplace. And in some cases, I've picked up on the fact that if I install an app on my iPhone, I go to my Apple TV, lo and behold, there's a new icon on my Apple TV. Yep. Um, obviously, similarly with the watch, I mean, that to the to the regular customer base, that kind of reinforces like a, a buy once, run everywhere kind of mentality. Yes. So I wonder what the expectation will be on the Mac, whether when you go to your Mac next, whether you expect to see a new icon on the dock when you've paid one ninety nine for an iOS app. <laughs> um, yeah. Or whether the Mac is still going to be considered uh, you know, like a different playing field. And yes, the app does exist on both, but you're going to have to pay for it again if you want the Mac version. Um, mm. be interesting to see how that shakes out. My gut feeling is, is for... Yeah, using Twitter again as an example, um, the Twitter app. If you install it on iOS, yeah, sure, probably pop up on the Mac because it's you know, it's free anyway. Um, something like a photo editor app, or maybe if one day you made a a VJ uh, your Go VJ app for the Mac, 
Yep. I would probably expect to have to pay more to get it on the Mac, maybe through some kind of app bundle. Yes. Because uh, otherwise, where, where's the incentive for you to, to spend that time? Mac? Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, with a, a UX kit, UI kit, hybrid, whatever it's going to end up being, I think the Mac is going to bring more of an overhead in terms of support and, and the way the app needs to be considered. Um, so there has to be has to be reward to the developer to put the app on the Mac. So I think um, yeah, I, I think bundling some kind of bundle is going to have to be a thing. Like you can just buy the iOS version for one ninety nine, or add the Mac version for an extra five dollars, or, or or whatever what the prices are. Yeah. Um, now that that would be an interesting sort of take on it. I think um, I think they could end up being quite difficult if it's done in terms of like isn't it on tvos that the the app bundle is the same but they're different targets um i'm not entirely sure i think so i've never actually done that myself but i think i think you're right in saying that there's something along those lines so that um i think essentially if you've bought it on the one then you you get the obviously it's completely different binary but you get that version available to you on on the tv yeah um and so I think unless you were doing it as a literal kind of um as an app store bundle, essentially, so they're two different um two two completely different apps that happen to be on one is on iOS, one is on macOS, but you can buy them together, then I think otherwise, yes, it will be that, that scenario of it's expected to be available on both um once you've made the one purchase. Um yeah. I think the communication's going to have to be pretty clear in the app store, isn't it? Yes, and 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 I think some of this to be honest is actually part of a bigger a bigger thing in terms of pro apps and their price point on on iOS as well. So I could see this being a scenario where perhaps pricing wise for that sort of like not necessarily pro pro, more like sort of a prosumer app. Um, sort of somewhere in that 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 middle area. Um, I'm thinking yeah. about your your photo editing app example again. You know, it's something that's more complicated than just throwing a few filters on a on a picture. Um, but equally, is not necessarily Adobe Photoshop in terms of complexity. Um, in that middle ground, um, the pricing that it may have approached on the Mac before may have been at say, say for example, we're talking about um a fifty sixty dollar app on iOS you wouldn't necessarily be able to charge that at all, but there is an argument to say that if these apps are going to exist, we need to be able to start charging more so maybe it becomes a thirty thirty dollar app that is available on both and kind of drives the the ipad um pricing the iOS pricing there sort of up and off the bottom, yeah. I mean, I suppose we haven't. We're talking more about you know direct purchasing here, but I wonder with subscriptions whether it would work out differently. Because if, regardless of whether you buy the iOS app or the Mac app, obviously you sort of let's say you download it for free, and then you can subscribe. Um, the Mac is a potential for more subscriptions, so uh, I guess you could subscriptions might make it easier to get the initial downloads 
and then make it more sustainable by having more Mac users that are subscribing. Um, maybe that could carry the iOS versions along as well. Um, not entirely yeah, sure possibly. where I'm going with this now. I've started saying it, but... <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is something... <laughs> no, but there, there, there is something there to be said for if you have somebody using your app on one platform, but they also happen to have um, a device on the other platform. So they've got both an iPad um, and a Mac and and your app is there in one form or another in both, both environments. Mm-hmm. There is something there to be said for subscriptions in terms of keeping your subscribers um, engaged with your app um, and keeping them, it's, it's a sort of stickiness factor. I've heard it referred to in the past in terms of like, you want those cu- customers to keep subscribing to still be with you. Um, yeah. And so the more places you are available to them, um, the sort of stickier that subscription is, um, they're le- less likely to cancel it. Um, so, so the Mac version adds value in that sense. Yes. It's, R- it's about presence. An initial, give me $40. At the, yeah, yeah. on the app store yeah yeah and and if we're talking about something development wise that ends up meaning that uh the the overhead of being in both environments is quite low you know okay maybe the experience you're getting for a fully ux kit mac app is not as deep as it would be if it was a a fully app kit mac app but it's there you know it's available and you can still use it um if the effort of provisioning for that and creating that target and creating that version of the app is is quite low, then it becomes this kind of well, well, why wouldn't we? You know, for yeah. the sake of of sort of spinning up another target and maybe putting in, I don't know, however, however many hours or whatever of work it is, but kind of doing that and then it's it's sort of set. You know, we can just keep updating it for for iOS and it's minimal effort to keep the Mac app sort of ticking along. Um, yeah, it becomes this kind of no-brainer. Why, why wouldn't I do that? Games you're doing at the moment could totally be, be a thing on both. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, I think that's kind of part of the motivation for choosing to go down that path. Um, because, you know, a game could run on the iPhone, the iPad, the TV... And maybe soon the Mac. So yeah, I think it, would, it could definitely be of like a direct benefit to me. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've looked at other kind of ways of making games. Um, sort of write once, run everywhere. Yeah. Um, but for better or worse, I've chosen to go with Sprite Kit. Um, so I think yeah, this could have pretty pretty big pretty big impacts. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in your case, go VJ would be a really good fit for the Mac. It it would. There's, um, I've always had a desire to to bring GoVJ across to the Mac sort of in the longer term. Um, I've also had a desire for a while to kind of make a, a sort of more pro version of the app for the iPad as well. Um, last year, so almost literally a year ago, I did a survey uh, where I got members of the the online VJing community to to give me some feedback, essentially a bit of a sort of state of the union for for VJing kind of survey. Um, 
And some of the questions I asked within that survey, I asked them specifically about the types of software they were using to actually do their, that this is professional VJs. So these are guys who are mixing video events every weekend and getting paid for it. Um, it's not just your guy who, who wants to sort of spin some, some graphics for his mate who's, who happens to be DJing down the road for the first time sort of thing, which is quite commonly my sort of target users for go VJ on the iPhone. Um, no, these guys are way in the pro end of things and their feedback to me was that they would love to see things happening on the Mac. Um, but also that an iPad version would be very useful. So something like this, a sort of marzipan UX kit idea would kind of let me have a look quite seriously about bringing a pro version to the iPad of my app. And also to then, if, if it's a case of it's almost turnkey, I can get a Mac version very quickly after doing that work, then it sort of becomes a two for one on the effort. Um, and that, that would highly motivate me into sort of making sure I carve out that time and make that happen. Because mm. at the moment, looking at the iPad side of things, I'm still not sure, you know, even, even after doing that survey, I'm still not 100% sure that it would really be the best use of my time at the moment because spare time's at a premium but if i could kind of nail the mac side of things as well then without having to sort of get really deep with app kit and that side of things then for me I, I think there would actually be some business to be done there um so yeah i'm, I'm pretty hopeful for this from a very very self-interested point of view there this this would let me sort of address something that i've been wanting to do for a while without having to sort of invest lots and lots of time getting very specific with with the sort of intricacies of, of, of app kit um and that that would be really quite cool to do okay we'll call that a wrap if you've enjoyed today's show it'd be great if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in overcast by hitting that star button that will help us reach even more like-minded people um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you um, you can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Robohead spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at Roboheads.com. Again, that's Robohead spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com. And on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott. <laughs>